everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As a reminder, we are available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Tony Andraki here, joined by Andy Martinez, and we have a special guest with us today, uh, a guy who will be a regular contributor to the podcast at times throughout the season, Tim Stebbins, a Marquee Sports Network contributor. You'll see his stuff on the website from time to time, and he's also doing a lot of work with MLB.com this year. So, Tim, welcome aboard. It is your first Cubs Weekly Podcast with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the, the Cubs podcasting scene, and uh, <laughs> it's good to uh, be able to vocalize my thoughts on, on the team again. It's a uh, Really, uh, always a fun time for me. Sounds good. Very well said, Tim. I always appreciate that about you. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I think we're sitting here on Wednesday evening, I guess, ish. You know, it, it is yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's about seven o'clock here now, uh, Wednesday evening. Cubs just wrapped up the series with the Mariners. They had the homestand with the Rangers before that. Um, it was obviously there's a lot to talk about. We will touch on it all. Um, but I kind of just want to start in the biggest thing with you guys and the biggest takeaway from this weekend. How about that weather? Yeah, that weather was insane. Oh, my God. That was incredible. I, I kept having to remind myself that it was like April 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. Like, this is... All right, that's enough of bearing the lead. Come on, let's get to it. Yeah, okay. All right, <laughs> Ian Hab signed an extension. Yes. He is here for three more years. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll talk about the weather all day, though. This, I, this is pretty incredible. I didn't, I barely needed a light sweater the last three days. Yeah, but, I know. It was pretty nice. Yes. Um, but no, Ian Hab is signed for three, year, three years after this, so through the 2026 season. Um, it, it, obviously, a huge deal. It's even bigger when you consider a couple of the fact that Nico Horner signed an extension right before opening day. So, Andy, just you know, seeing this news that came out before Wednesday's game, like, what was your thought overall, and and what kind of reaction were you seeing here? Uh, my biggest thought was shock and surprise. Right? It, it seemed. I mean, we heard it through the offseason from from Jed Hoyer and 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 the front office that they don't want to breach extensions into into the season because he doesn't want he doesn't like that distraction. He doesn't want it too close to opening day. So you kind of start thinking, okay, like maybe the deadline's some point in spring training, maybe the beginning of spring training. And, and Jed mentioned in his, in his opening press conference at the start of spring training that the beginning of spring training isn't the deadline. So you're thinking, okay, maybe it's in a few weeks. And, and then when the Nico extension kind of happens right before opening day and Ian Happ speaks the day before opening day and says there's no extension done, then you're kind of thinking, all right, maybe the window's passed. And, 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 and for Ian Happ, he's... He's at the point where he's this close to free agency. You 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 think it through, and you think he's one of the prime free agent maybe, on the market. Maybe, maybe the best hitter. Maybe yeah. the best hitter outside of a little a guy named Shohei Otani. Who's that? He's, yeah. He might be all right. Um, but so he 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 might be the best hitter on the market. You start thinking, okay, he's there's a good chance he's going to go to the free agency. So when the news gets out there on on social media and you start hearing about it, you start thinking, oh wow, this this is really happening. And speaking to Jed Hoyer, speaking to Ian Happ, the biggest takeaway was it was Ian Happ really driving it and his yeah. desire that he wanted to be in Chicago, that he was all in on being a Chicago Cub for the future, and, and that was really enticing to him. And, and that's what led both both parties. Jed Hoyer mentioned it, that multiple times in negotiations, he said, I want to be a part of this team. And, and, and that really stood out to Jed Hoyer. And that's why we're sitting here now knowing that Ian Happ is – going to be a Chicago Cub through at least 2026. Yeah, and Tim, you know, we, we've been down this road so many times with extensions just the last few years with Rizzo, with Javi, with Schwarber, with Bryant, you know, with all these guys, and none of them came to fruition. But Nico did, Hap did, in a span of about two weeks. What do you think that says, you know, about the, the Cubs that they're able to get this done with these two guys and then where they're moving forward? 
I think I hope for their sake that it, it leads to more. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say, like, hearing what you said about Ian Happ and he wanted to be here, like, that makes it less surprising that it did happen. But I, I got to say, at the same time, the fact that they got two done did surprise me a little bit yeah. just from a, an outside perspective and just in kind of a simple form because of the track record and just the uh, outside of Kyle Hendricks and David Bodie, really, we talk about all those core guys. Well, none of them are still here. And we know there's other factors that were part of that with, you know, pandemic hit for example and yeah. uh the trade deadline and, and whatnot but um i think what you're seeing is they're they're putting something together here you start to see the makings of a, a core i think you tweeted this today you have guys through 2026 you have nico swanson uh you have hap we know suzuki's in the fold for multiple years they have a lot of young pitching like you're seeing these pieces in place i think what's going to happen is they're going to want to maintain these guys and what they're building for the extended ter term here where you're, you're building something. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree. And, and I think that's a huge aspect of it in like Jed pointing to it because say hit cleanup a lot last year. I expect he'll probably hit cleanup a decent amount when he returns and, you know, more on say a little bit later in the podcast, but like, so you have Dansby for seven years, say for four years after, you know, including this year, um, same with Hap and same with Nico. So, I mean, you got one through four in your lineup that is extended. Guys who are very good defenders. You know, Seiya was like a gold glove caliber defender in Japan. Um, was pretty good last year. But I think I think everybody watching understands that Seiya maybe has a little bit of room to grow. There's like more in the tank there for him defensively for sure. And then I think offensively as well. But like Nico, gold glove finalist. Last year, Dansby and Hap both won gold gloves. And these are guys who like, uh, especially like the three guys atop the order who have been here for a while are like these winning type players. And say, uh, yes, he's only been in, in American baseball for a year, but like these guys all have the high character that you want too. So, and that's one thing that Jed pointed out is like, this is th these are the guys that we want to, to lead the next group, to be this next core. And to your point, Tim, like to be able to, to, to do this that they ha weren't able to do with some of these other guys. And I think is, is notable. I think it's important, but also because Dansby has his experiences from from different organization from winning there but Hap and Nico can kind of carry that torch they they weren't here in 2016 but they played with Rizzo and Javi and Bryant and some of these guys and um you know they they can help carry the torch the same way that Kyle Hendricks can same way that Ross can but Ross always he even said this again today he prefers when it's guys in the clubhouse and not just him talking about that so he wants that to originate from there and these guys do that. And we've heard so much about all of them stepping up as leaders. So I think that, that stood out to me too, is that the Cubs weren't just getting the, the player on the field and the stats on the back of their baseball card. They're getting the person and they invested in the people and feel really good about that. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, right, is you can look at countless situations where like the, the numbers play or the, num like the numbers tell you this. And, and sometimes the numbers just don't tell the full story of a player, right? Like how, how do they mesh in the clubhouse? How do they how do they interact with the coaching staff? How do they interact with with players with other players or, or fans or things like that? That isn't always seen, right? It's easy to look at. Okay, this guy's a two sixty hitter. This guy's a two eighty hitter, and like that's what that's what he is. Or he's a three WAR player. He's a four WAR player. Whatever. Like you can go to all that, but there's more to it. And clearly, the Cubs value the whole of the player, right? Is that the is that the be all end all? No, of course not. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But but they're clearly honing in on this. And to your point, right, Dansby Swanson, really good player on the field, also has this holistic approach about, like, everything he does. David Ross always says everything he does is all about winning, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is the eye towards winning, the eyes towards winning. Ian Happ is doing that. Nico Horner's doing that. 
Nico Horner and Ian Happ, I think, are in a more unique boat where, like you mentioned, they they bring that the the previous core to them. But I mean, Nico Horner does it directly in the sense that he's got Anthony Rizzo's batting gloves yeah, in yeah. his locker <laughs> that have Ke- his his dog Kevin on there, just as like a reminder, like. And and when he said that, I remember everyone like kind of giggled like we did right now, and and it is a little funny, but like there is still that reminder of right what like was what before. was here yeah. and like what that meant and what like the, like there's still a lot of Cubs fans that became fans because of that 2016 team or those guys on that 2016 team and carrying that torch is, is something real to 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 Nico Horner and and to to Ian Happ. Yeah, and Tim, you know, like Andy just touched on, I mean what does it mean or say for the fan base that like they know who's going to be lining up at all these positions and they know what jerseys they can get and what guys they're going to be cheering for? Like, I mean, what kind of effect can that have on this fan base then? Um, well, they, they always talk about like what the, the next starts here and, right. and building something and whatnot. Right. I, I think if you're a fan, it's, it's exciting to start seeing building blocks in place. I think this time, maybe not a year ago, maybe this time a year ago, June will say, there were question marks on who would be here on the next time the Cubs were on a postseason team. You could pinpoint Nico, but um, and I would say Saya too, but a lot of other pieces were either contractually not under control past a year or two or um, question marks, just frankly. So I think now as fans, you can start to see a lot of guys that aren't just under contract, but you can see our uh, true building blocks. And, and I think it's important because what Cubs fans went through with that old core was – it just started to feel like you're going to get five or six years out of a player that's homegrown and developed, and that's it. And Mm -hmm. I think if what I've always said is you have a homegrown talent and there's like a way to make it work where they want to be here and they're still producing, like you should want to extend your homegrown players. And and Ian Happ's the perfect example of that because he's continued to get better. He's gone through his highs and lows. We know it. But last year, man, like gold glove, all-star, and he's gotten off to a hot start this year. So, in that sense, I think he was a perfect extension candidate. And, and while it was surprising they got it done, I'm, I'm glad they did for this fan base especially. And, and to that point, that's something that, that Jed Hoyer mentioned, right? Like, I think you, you think of a player and a homegrown player, like the, the prime example is always Chris Bryant, right? Yeah. Like rookie of the year, MVP. His first two years. Re- yeah. re- a really, really good 2017. And like, you just think like, that's what every young player should be. Like they should come up and they should be rookie of the year candidate. And then the next year there should be MVP candidate. Like the reality of the matter is like that's that's not how it is, right? Like we we saw it here firsthand with Ian Happ. Ian Happ struggled, was was sent down at one point. We're seeing it now with Christopher Morrell, right? Had a good start last season, really struggled. This starts the season in Triple A. He's, he's hitting well in Triple A. Like Ian Happ mentioned it. Development isn't linear, right? Like you're not just gonna keep getting better and better. Like you're gonna get better, and then you're gonna have some lulls, and then you're gonna like it's 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 not just straight line. And being able to invest in those guys that eventually can become that in Ian Happ's case, I think it's a testament to the player for putting in the work. One of like, hey, I I know I can get better. I know I can do better, and I'm gonna get better. And that's what Ian Happ did. But also the organization, right? Like think about it, like. I remember there was conversations in 21 after the trade deadline with Ian Happ, like, is he a non-tender candidate at the end of the season? Like, he was struggling so bad in 21 that it was like, is he a non-tender candidate? And then he he puts up really good two months to end the season, 2022 happens, and and here we are sitting talking about a three-year extension. Like, there's something really valuable in just being able to look at someone like him and say, like, that is what the organization can do. 
and it's not going to happen all the time. Like there's yeah. going to be some players that struggle and, and and it just doesn't work out, or some players that you didn't think were were anything and that become something. Like that's just the nature of the game. But for in in Ian Happ's situation, like I think that's just a perfect example of of player buying in and, and player development from from an organizational standpoint. Yeah, and what you guys you guys both touched on, like what I thought was a really interesting point, is that like how kind of quickly. That's one thing that stood out to me today. Is like I was struck by how quickly almost Jed and Carter were able to build this back up. So yeah. like Tim, you mentioned, you know, it was like the middle of the really even last season, twenty well twenty twenty two. That was like, hey, who's going to be here in the future? And it was like Nico and Seiya. But like flash flashback to like just before the lockout ended, and there were major question marks about Nico staying healthy for a yeah. full season and what position he played. If he was shortstop, if he was second base, they had yet to sign uh, Seiya as well. And then, I mean, you knew that half wasn't extended, and he had he was you know done at the end of the 2023 season here. So to, to be able to, like, kind of build it back up, but also to, like, retain those guys and to what you guys both mentioned too, the homegrown players, like, like why not keep some of these guys? Because – the fans have gotten behind them, but you've also developed a relationship and they have developed, you know, Hap has stepped up as a leader and Nico Horner, like he's exactly what you want. He, as a player, he's, he does so many little things. Well, he's so versatile. He can obviously hit lead off, even though he's never hit, really hit lead off in his career before. Now he can play second base or shortstop move seamlessly, but he, his like character, the intangibles are like yep. exactly what you want from a player. He's so humble. He's all about winning. It's all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, all around this was like a big win in general, just for the organization these last couple of weeks to extend these guys. Huge for the fans, huge to know what's coming. And I think huge in the clubhouse to, you know, Marcus Stroman had like a good quote about it, just about how it, it's awesome to know what the Cubs are building and to see that like a guy like Hap, who's a cornerstone of the franchise, to see what, what what's going to, you know, that he's extended and he's going to be here for years. And the, the organization is rewarding all the hard work and all the success you have on and off the field. So um, yeah, definitely a lot to be positive about. And to be honest too, like that was my takeaway from this week that was like, I was joking yeah. about the weather, but like between the really nice weather and the way the Cubs played and the, those wins on Monday and Tuesday, like it just felt to me like this was a significant series and Nico said it best. And, and I've learned like when Nico says something, listen, especially yeah. when he gets passionate or animated. So for him to say like, it felt significant to win Monday's game. Um, I, I just think that that's really that, like that was a big week. It, it, it was, it's mid April, it's early April, but like this felt to me like a big week and like maybe the start of like building something here. Yeah. It was interesting. Cause you know, after Monday night's game, I was like, wow, that's such a big win for the team. And, and you and I touched on a little bit after the game where it was like, it's like it's April, like in the grand scheme of things at the end of the year, it could turn out to mean that this game really didn't mean anything. But it's one of those where like in the moment, it definitely feels like it could be something and it very well could be something come the end of the season. But I just thought like there's no way you can top that tomorrow. There's probably no way you can even top that in a week or so. Mm-hmm. And then they come back and rally from a seven run deficit and you're like, oh my gosh, and they end up smoking the, the Mariners in that game too. When, first of all, like, yes, you were down 7 nothing, but your starting pitcher goes, was, a, I believe, a one and two-thirds, two and a third? I can't, I can't remember. One and my, a third. You one and a third, yes, yeah. that's right. And um, so he get, he struggles really bad. Hayden Wesneski struggles really bad, and they have to turn to the bullpen, and they're able to turn a bullpen game into a win. That was an incredible win in and of itself. And that So then I thought today, I said, there's no way – today can get any better, Wednesday could get any better, and sure enough, they extend Ian Happ, and it's like, okay, so I, th- for sure, I know for a fact, 
Well, I shouldn't say I know for a fact, but I'm pretty confident yeah. that Thursday will not get better just because it's an off day. So there's unless there's something crazy in the works in terms of an acquisition, they're probably we're probably not uh, building for the for the third day in a row in terms of good news for them. But that like what what was just incredible was just the week and and it extends. It's easy to think about the Mariners games, but that Rangers series was just as big, right? Where you take two out of three against the Rangers and and you kind of come off of like a sluggish start where you, the Cubs go one and two and uh, against Milwaukee and then you, you kind of have that bad loss against Cincinnati and, and come back and win the second one kind of unsure of what the team is and then you see what the team is and it, it, it's or what it can be it was yeah. really impressive to do that Tim what stood out to you I mean you were at Wrigley for this entire homestand like Andy mentioned the Rangers but like the Cubs went back-to-back series um, what stood out to you from this weekend and, and just the overall vibe at Wrigley here um, well I'll tell you so yeah what uh, I'm working for MLB.com this season. I'm on the Rangers side, the Mariners side, so I'm kind of paying more attention to this these past two series, like the the atmosphere. But as it relates to the visiting team and kind sure. of, uh, I remember manager for the Mariners Scott Service said he's like the fans feel like they're way more on top of you than they ballpark when when he played here in the '90s because it's so closer now. They took out some the bullpens on the field and et cetera and all that stuff. Um, I think it was really good vibes. I was surprised at how loud it got when Nelson Velasquez stepped oh up my God, and yeah. crushed a grand slam, but they were loud before that. Um, I think, you know, from, from the last six games, like, what stood out, I mean, the pitching, Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele, man, like, I think you couldn't have asked for better starts from them, but I think, and, and, and honestly, too, like, Drew Smiley's second outing, much better than the first time around. I think you, you want to see more still from Wisniewski and Tyone, though, and I know Tyone maybe his his line final line wasn't necessarily indicative of, of how he pitched but like Wesneski we just said it four outs like you need a lot more from him yep. than that maybe he's too amped up I don't know but um I think this pitching staff if, if they're all competing at the way that many projected that's a dang good starting five but mm-hmm. I think so far as good as Stroman and Steele have been from there you've kind of got mixed uh mixed results and for this team to do uh I guess just make a good run this year not just you know the next five six months you need the rest of those guys to kind of get on track a little bit yeah and and going back to the point and jed brought up this as well like talking about whether he felt like this was significant this this week and this weekend this homestand at wrigley he didn't want to get too far down that road and he's like i don't like doing that especially before april 15th <laughs> that being said he still it was obvious to see like the exuberance and the excitement and tim you referenced the crowd like this was as loud as I feel like I've heard an early April crowd in years, I feel like there is some sort of extra enthusiasm where they're just like waiting to get back to what we saw really probably since like pre COVID, you know, the Cubs, obviously in 2020, like fans weren't around the team made the playoffs, but you know, didn't even come up with a win in the postseason series 2021, like, you know, things looked really good. And, you know, we could have been having a similar type of podcast. Like, what did you take away? And, you know, good vibes from the team all the way through, what, June 24th when they had a combined no-hitter. Like, things were looking good. They were in first place. What's the big difference between then and now, June 24th, 2021, and April 12th, April 13th of 2023? The fact that the core is locked up. I do think, like, going back to what we talked about, like, this isn't a bunch of guys who are playing for their future or who don't know what their future holds. I think – you there's no nine person sell-off coming and even if there is even if something goes down that route because the cubs do have a you know a few veteran guys who like eric hosmers of the world who are on like one-year deals 
they're not like the core guys who have been here for a really long time. Like there's no major shakeup coming because Hap's not going anywhere, Nico's not going anywhere, say all these guys. So um, I think that's the big difference. And also I just, I think it's notable to listen to some of these guys. Like when Jan Gomes puts a sheriff's hat on Nico after the walk off <laughs> and, you know, thought that that was like, that was all really funny. But then kind of unprompted, he just started talking about how he feels like the Cubs are building something here. And, you yep. know, just had a really great quote about it's important to, to acknowledge what they're building and to recognize it. And they like him, everybody else has just used the term good group. It's a really good group in there. Like Jed's used it. Ross uses it ad nauseum. Like they just keep saying it to the point where like, I believe it. Like I believe that these guys are pulling on the same end of the rope. And there seems to be some sort of like chemistry and some sort of like little thing that makes me believe in what the Cubs are building right now. And like they're like, it's so baseball, such an individualist individualistic sport in, in a team environment, right? Like at the end of the day, it's still the pitcher versus the hitter that it's easy to kind of like forget about the team part. But I thought it was really interesting when David Ross mentioned when he came out to grab the ball from Hayden Wisniewski after, after the, the four outs that he recorded after the struggle, the vibe he got from, from the team was like, yes, they're down seven, nothing, but like they're, they're still in it. Like they still feel like they can, they can mount a rally or, or get back in the game. Sure enough, they did. Like, again, to your point, that's one of those things where, is it like is it a be all end all? Like, does it mean like that this the chemistry is gonna carry them all the way? I don't know. Like, it, it's yet to be determined. Like, but there's there's talent, there's certainty, there's chemistry, there's there's just a different sense than June twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, where there was sort of the 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 talent and the the good vibes, but there was the in the back of your mind, there's that that question mark. You don't have that question mark this year or at least right now, and, and you kind of had it maybe even a few days ago with Ian Happ, like, well, what happens if, if, if a tough stretch comes and, and Ian Happ's in his last year of, of control? Like, what kind of happens? You don't have that, which I think yeah. is a big thing. Yeah, and one thing, too, just like um, Andy, you and I were talking about this even before, but, like, I feel like Monday night's win, a couple, even last year, a couple years ago, the Cubs didn't necessarily win that, and especially not Tuesday night, and Jed said the same thing, but, like, Tim, you've covered these this team for the last few years. I mean, like, what – does it seem different to you? Does it seem like this team that's able to, to rise above adversity in Monday and Tuesday's game and pull off a couple big wins? And yes, again, that caveat it is still early April, but like, does it feel different to you? Does it feel like it's like a slightly different group than what we've seen, you know, from Cubs teams the last couple of years? Well, remind, correct me if I'm wrong on this Jed quote. It's not from this year, last year, like good in the offseason. Good teams blow people out, right? Yep. Okay, so along that same line of thinking, good teams win close games, I think. And I know there's yeah. a lot of luck involved in one-run games, but I think if my memory serves, last year the Cubs didn't win many one-run games. Yeah. Right. Um, I think there's just more talent here to, to, to do that, right? Like, baseball, one-run games, there's a lot of stuff that can go your way, like just a funky hop, um, one play that makes all the difference where, like, Nick Madrigal takes off and the, the – yeah. The Mariners pitcher doesn't make a straight uh, straight throw, right? He pulls a Javi, yeah. Yeah, but I think along those same lines, like winning close games or overcoming deficits, like, yeah, you go down 7 nothing, and it's like, okay, this is – you feel like the other team's in the driver's seat. I mean, from my perspective, I think the Mariners are in the driver's seat and they're going to they're gonna just – the next seven innings, they're just going to play out the string on both sides, and that's it. But uh, the fact that they came back so quick, I think it's just what we all know. Like, they have a higher floor at the very least than they did talent-wise last year. What I was going to say is a moment ago is just we're talking about all the home, uh, the, the core guys, the guys are locked up. But Eric Hosmer has actually impressed me a little bit. i got to yeah. be honest. I think that was a deal where 
Um, they got him for the for, I think the league minimum, right? Right. He was yeah. a free agent. But I mean, entering the the series finale against the Mariners, he's hitting three ten, and it's like with this new shift, uh, the new rules with that, he's putting balls through holes. He's getting it up the middle through the three four hole. I mean, he's hitting the ball hard, and if I don't know how this season is going to play out for the, a lot of these guys that you know the Wisdoms, uh, Mancini, Bellinger, the guys who aren't we you know like core guys per se are extended in that conversation. But yeah, if they get contributions like this, I mean, they have they have guys who are experienced here, and that's that's only going to make your lineup deeper. And, and we know Seiya coming back too, add him to, him into the mix. What does it then look like? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you mentioned Morel earlier, like what if Matt Mervis keeps raking or mashing? Sorry, I should always have to use mashing, I feel like, with Mervis. But like if he keeps mashing and comes up or like some of these young pitchers or Kyle Hendricks comes back, if Wesneski keeps struggling, like all these different things. But, you know, I, I think back to like two years ago, the Cubs had a 7 nothing lead when Arietta was pitching in Milwaukee yep. and they lost, what, 14-7 that game. Yeah. This, you know, the script was flipped. Again, very, very early, but like to me, you know, I'm been covering this team for a while and it just feels like something different like I said I you know correct me if I'm wrong send it to freezing cold takes whatever else but like <laughs> I, I I think that the Cubs are going to continue to play meaningful baseball throughout the rest of this year and I think this week and particularly this series against the Mariners proved that to me it like convinced me that what I thought was going to play out for this season is like a reality and something that um, I'm expecting now you know and I'm, I'm expecting this team to like, I feel like it was a little bit of like turning a corner and like, like becoming that team. And, you know, for the 2015 Cubs, it was that series where they swept the Giants. And uh, they, that was when they switched Starling Castro and Addison Russell and Russell became the shortstop. And like, that was the series that everybody felt like flipped. Like, I, it's still so early, but like, this could be a series that hinges on the season. So, and I'll stop saying it's still so early because I think I've met my 12 times in a podcast yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but it is still so early it is it's pretty early it uh, is yeah uh, um but no to, to, to tim's point about eric hosmer like that's one of those where and i'm not a big believer in like a clutch hitter like the 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 numbers tell you like eventually it all even out like Derek Jeter is known as like Mr. November for his playoff numbers, but his playoff numbers are almost identical to his regular season numbers so it's like it, it all eventually evens out but like to your point, like Eric Hosmer, every time that he's up to bat, it's yeah. just like, especially in RBI situations, like, oh, he's going to put the ball in play and there's going to be runs. Like, I don't know why. And like, there's like, he could go 0 for 10 his next 10 times with runners in scoring position and like it'll even out. But just the professional at bats that he has are so impressive in the sense that like he's at least grinding the at bat. And again, to your point, like you mentioned, like, yes, they're getting contributions from all these guys. Like, if Trey Mancini, I think he went 0 for 4 in, in, in Wednesday's finale against the Mariners, but he put up a good at-bat almost every time he was up mm-hmm. there. And there's just little things like that. Like I think that's the big thing about this offense that's kind of impressed me as a, as a takeaway, especially in these last six games in the homestand, where it's like before if, if the Cubs were going to make a comeback, you kind of felt like in that sep- for like that 7 nothing game, for example, they had to hit eight home runs in a row. Like That was what they were going to do to get back in the game. Whereas with this group, it's like, all right, you know there's a lot of guys who are just going to scrap together some hits and, and get, get on base somehow. And then you get the you put the pressure on the opposing team, and, and, and things can happen. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of injury updates and, and some of the other main takeaways we have from early in this Cubs season. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago's skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the Cubs. If you wanted to live in a more boring place, you'd live in St. Louis. 
Why not bank with Chicago's Bank too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Cubs checking account. Show your Cubs pride and open an account at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. All right, guys, we've been talking a lot about just this past week, the past homestand, but I mean, the Cubs played a handful of games even before that. So I want to ask each of you, and Tim, we'll start with you. What has been the main takeaway for you from this Cubs team? Uh, what is it, 11 games in so yeah. far? I'm going to go very uh, individualistic with my answer. <laughs> uh, Dansby Swanson's my takeaway. That's it. Just Dansby Swanson, period. Uh, this is why we have you on the podcast. I know. This is, this is, <laughs> I, I bring the great points. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, look, like I, in all seriousness, I think I'm looking at how he started, especially from day one was almost like, oh, wow. And I say that because I think there's been, in my lifetime, a big free agent signing, a big addition who takes a little bit of time out of the gate to find their footing in Wrigley Field and and, in Chicago. And some of that, you know, hitting hitting is not easy here. I get it. But even pitching, John Lester, we know how he tried to come out of the gates and and just be this superhero in 2015 because of the pressure of being that that big addition. And, And it took him a while to find his footing. But... Dansby Swanson, I mean, I, th- I think we've kind of gotten a vibe about him that he is very even-keeled. He's very relaxed and, and you know, uh, just just very locked in, I guess. And yeah. it's been as advertised to me, the defense, man, like not just the hitting. The defense is so smooth. He makes it look easy. He goes up there and he's he's getting multi-hit games left and right. Didn't, didn't he have not have four hits before the fifth inning in yep. Tuesday's game? Like, yeah, even before he came out of the game, right, yeah. That, that's crazy to me. And, and I say this too, but I'll obviously add, like, you know, he, he's got some stuff with his, his wife off the field that has not been easy. It's been stressful when she got injured in, in the World Cup uh, friendly match, Mallory Pugh, Mallory Swanson. So, like, he, he's dealing with stuff that's mentally obviously very hard. And then, and then he's and along the same lines to, you know, from a, from a Cubs standpoint, like the pressure of being that guy is – it stood out to me a lot. It's really impressive. And, uh, you know, I think keep it up and what kind of year will he have by the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think he, and I know I said this to you, Andy, but, like, he reminds me of Nico a lot. Like, obviously, they're kind of different styles, but he definitely is one of those players, like Nico is, that the more you watch them, the more you understand and appreciate all the little things they do. Like, that play and Monday that eventually saved the game. I mean, so many people, from Jed Hoyer to David Ross, talked about, you know, Dansby Swanson going to third, getting the lead runner out. Uh, I forget who it was from the Mariners who was running from second to third. Getting that that out doesn't show up on the box score. It just looks like a 6-5 put out or whatever. But, like, it was huge. And it ended up being the difference in the game. And those kind of little things, the base running play he had was that Saturday um, to, you know, where, like, the Cubs are up big on the Rangers, but he still scrambles home, has, like, a, you know, a ton of passion. Like, all those little things have stood out to me. So, Tim, I think that's a great one. Um, Andy, what stood out to you? What Like, one takeaway you've had of the Cubs so far? For me, I touched on a little earlier in the pod, but it's definitely the offense. Like, the, the, the just the ability to scrap together some some offense, whether that's drawing a, a, a eight, nine pitch walk, whether it's putting the ball the other way. I think Dansby Swanson, to your point, Tim, has is, is kind of epitomized that, right? Where it's like he's getting pitched to the outside. He says, okay, instead of trying to pull it and, and hit a home run or, or hit a double into the into the left center gap, like he's just going to take a single to right field and, and get on base or, or advance a runner. Like just doing, just having the ability to have an offense that can do that, but can also slug, right? We saw Cody Ballinger homer on this homestand. We've seen Patrick Wisdom. We saw Nelson Velasquez homer. Like 
you, you still need the slug, you still need the home run power, but the ability to kind of manufacture runs in different environments, I think is, is crucial, especially like given the, the, that you're playing everyone, you're going to see a lot of good pitching. You saw Corbin Burns early on, you saw Brandon Woodrow. You're not going to be able to muster a lot of runs. So the ability to kind of generate some offense, I, I think is huge and, and, and not be so reliant on the long ball. I'll jump in on that really quick. I'll, I'll add this. Um, Scott Service to, uh, in Wednesday's, for Wednesday's game, he's talking about the, the different schedule this year. You're playing every team. And, like, hitting-wise, it's tough on hitters when you're facing pitchers that you're yeah. not so familiar with If to what you're saying, right? Like, if, if you're going to – you're going to have to scrap out runs. You're going to have to face guys you're not familiar with. And everyone's kind of in the same boat there across the league. And if, if they have this knack for doing that, that could be huge for this team this year when you're playing – like the Oakland A's, how often do they play anybody? How often have you faced anybody on teams like that? Yeah, no, definitely not. And I think that's going to be – it also means less games against the Cardinals and Pirates and Brewers. It means less games probably against Burns and Woodruff. Um, so, yeah, it, it the the new schedule is kind of quirky, but, like, also really interesting. And, like, you see Julio Rodriguez at Wrigley Field, which is pretty cool. And you see Corey Seager, who is hurt now, but, like, over the weekend he was here playing at Wrigley Field. And you see Jared Kelnick, who's, like, yeah. I, I was really impressed by. I thought he was – I think he's one of the better players Babe I've Ruth. ever seen. Like, yeah. He's, he's – yeah. He hit one further than Babe Ruth did. Well, at least, you know, Babe Ruth never had stat cast metrics, so we don't know exactly how far yeah, that, that, Babe Ruth's That ball was smoked, yes. 482, yes. Harder, farther than any other home run hit. Uh, Javi was, what, 481, right? Yeah, I believe In one was, of the yeah, years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely incredible. But, uh, but yeah, like – both what both of you guys were saying and I touched on a bit. Like I think the little things has stood out to me about this team and Dansby is is the forefront of that. But I think like defense we know the Cubs this Cubs team is predicated off of that. But then base running too. Like they've really pushed the envelope. They've been really aggressive in stealing. I mean Nico has five stolen bases already. He's on pace for like over seventy stolen bases, which yeah. isn't necessarily gonna keep up. But like I just think it's really fascinating to see all of these guys, how many guys on the team they have that are athletic, that can run the bases really well. I think Trey Mancini has two or three stolen base attempts already this year. I right. Mean, one of them I think was uh ended up being like a foul ball, but he got a great jump and he would have stolen the base like right, on right. this homestand. So it's it's really kind of incredible to like Think of that and to see the Cubs use every little thing that they have at their disposal. But that's also a byproduct of who David Ross is a manager. Like, that's what – this is what he always says he knows what championship baseball looks like, and this is what it looks like. And and we're seeing the fruits of that labor, again, very early. But I, I, that's something that I expect to show times. up. Yeah, 13. <laughs> I expect that to show up on a daily basis, the base running and defense that they always say should not slump. Um Last thing here before we get out, but we talked a bit about Seiya. So looks looks really promising that when the Cubs are in L.A. this weekend, Seiya Suzuki will be back. Um, obviously not a guarantee, but that's what it's you know the Cubs are targeting right now. Brandon Hughes possibly not far behind, and then Kyle Hendricks also like could yeah. be going out on a rehab stint pretty soon. But uh, Tim, we'll start with you. I mean, like what kind of lift would that be to have those guys? And then Cody Hoyer, who kind of a forgotten guy in the bullpen, had Tommy John surgery, missed all of last year, but like. He's thrown really well. He threw a lot, uh, one inning a live VP earlier this week, and like he could be back in late May. Uh, but like Tim, what kind of boost could it be to get any of these four guys back, let alone like all four at some point in the next month or two here? I mean, I, I, I focus in on Saya just because how close that could be, and I start with just defense and right field. You just said it a couple moments ago. They're built on defense, run prevention, and right field's been kind of a sore spot for them. I it think has, yeah. with you know before Velasquez came up, you're not playing guys who are necessarily a that's not their one position right. like master boney's an infielder who can play outfield mancini is probably more first baseman who can play outfield um i think that helps your whole you know your whole 
staple, like the staple of this team, your one of your hallmarks, right? That that only helps that. But I also look at the lineup, man. Like, if one Swanson's back in there, you're gonna run out Horner, Swanson, Hap, Suzuki, Bellinger, Mancini is a top six, and then you obviously have Hosmer, Wisdom. I mean, Patrick Wisdom having 30 home run power in the eighth spot is <laughs> yeah. kind of ridiculous. Um, I think that's something that I think that's something that's really interesting about all these additions is he's got he has legit pop. You can put that weight on your order, and it's like, what do they say in Little League, like a second cleanup hitter? Yeah. In this case, it's kind of true. Um, and that's that's to me, man. Like, you get the defense with Suzuki back, but this lineup is going to get longer, and it's already been pretty solid with the top half of it uh, on a, every pretty consistently, I think. Yeah, and, and for me, like, as you mentioned, like, the, the Say Suzuki thing is big, but I think the bullpen, getting Brandon Hughes will be big. Getting Kyle Hendricks will be will be big, too, once he, once he gets back. The bullpen has looked... I think the 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 what impressed me the probably second most besides the comeback in in the comeback against the Mariners in the second game of the series was just how the bullpen pitched right like yeah. when when your starter goes out after four outs like you're kind of just saying like let's just piece it together and play tomorrow and you had an extra inning game the day before yep and so and and so like you think about like Kim Thompson pitched that tenth inning like he was most likely down that game. You knew Adbert had pitched, so like you were like he's probably down. And and Michael Rucker comes in and pitches two and, and two thirds, I believe, or two and a third. I can't remember exactly, and keeps them in the game. And and that's one guy that like everyone kept saying after the game, like the, you know, like that was huge. Julian May- Merriweather, two big innings, like ju- just to be able to piece that together. Now you had Brandon Hughes, who was arguably their best reliever in the second half last year, and a true lefty. Like that that creates a lot more weapons and a lot more options for for the Cubs. And and. Too like like they're playing a man down right now in the bullpen as is because they're playing with they're carrying twelve pitchers as opposed to thirteen because they recalled Nelson Velasquez in an option Javier side so I think the addition of Brandon Hughes uh, will, will benefit their bullpen that I think is we're starting to see the the seeds at least of like another another year another solid bullpen that the Cubs build like they have the last couple of years yeah I mean I think Elzelay has really really impressed me out of the yeah. bullpen and then like to go Monday and Tuesday for the first time ever in his career to go back to back. Mark Leiter Jr. hasn't done that a ton as well. Yeah. So like to have that, like you said, Rucker, you know, is, is I feel like he was kind of a forgotten guy, myself included, really throughout the off season and then in spring training. Like he was on the 40 man throughout and I was like, oh, he has options. Like he'll probably start the year in AAA Iowa's depth. And it's like, no, he's on the opening day roster. Yeah, he's pitching big innings, getting big out. So um, I agree with you. I do think that he was coming back is huge. You know, Saya coming back is just massive for the depth of the lineup and, and defense in general. Um, and I think it'll be really important too. Like we'll see Nelson probably because Cody Bellinger is going to be out on paternity leave soon. You know, he has a second child on the way, so like Nelson can play center field, but then could also stick around when Bellinger comes back and give Saya some time off in right field, so the Cubs don't have to like run him into the ground. But yeah, I think you know there'll be other injuries for sure, but like the Cubs nearing and inching closer to, to full strength. In addition, all this other positivity that Ian have extension, the, the great homestand, all that kind of stuff, I think uh, just bodes well for the near future for the Cubs. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Tim Stebbins' first podcast with us. So Tim, thanks for stopping by. As always, we're presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast, And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Tim and Andy, I'm Tony. Thanks for watching and tuning in.